We're very slow-growing creations, humans. Our gestational period is among the longest in all mammals, and it takes somewhere close to 13 years to reach maturity. There's no other mammal that it takes that long for. And it is with this in mind that perhaps Paul is speaking in his letter to the Galatians today, knowing that we are always growing and changing. He uses images about that fact, this, up, this growing up, in several of his letters. 1 Corinthians is one of those letters. In the third chapter, and also in Hebrews, he talks about feeding those new Christians, those new followers of Jesus with milk, because they're not ready yet for meat. Also in his letter, the first letter to the Corinthians, in the 13th chapter, which we often refer to as the love chapter, he says, when I was a child, I spoke like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish ways. And so here we have him talking about that same aspect of growing up in the faith. The word that's used here, disciplinarian, is meant to conjure into our minds a tutor or kind of a nanny kind of a person for a young person. Someone who's going to instruct the young person in the ways of the world and how it is to operate in the world. Taking them out into the world so that they can learn on the ground and in relationship so that when that young boy becomes of age, he's equipped to go into the world on his own and to navigate all that he faces. Paul talks about the law being that very instructor, disciplining him in the ways of faith so that when he was able to go out on his own, he was able to operate in the world and in so doing discovered what God had in store for him. Growing up is something that we're always doing. You know, today we are going to recognize our graduating seniors, both of high school and in college, And it occurs to me that in high school, when you turn 18, usually sometime around your senior year, you are given the title adult. And it sticks with you for the rest of your life. Adult is the word used for people that are 18. Adult is the word used for people who are in their 40s and in their 60s and in their 80s. You might get to go on to be a senior citizen, but that start date is negligible if you ask anyone. They don't know if it starts at 60 or at 55 or maybe even later. Depends on what the benefit is, I guess. But nonetheless, we're all called adults. Yet we would fool ourselves to think that upon arriving at that title, it was all done. For indeed, we grow and change throughout our lives, and the challenges you face at 18 are different than those that you face in your 40s, which are different than those that you face in your 60s and in your 80s. But it's in all of those things that we face in our lives that God is at work, drawing us into a closer relationship with God in the very fabric of our lives, the very events that are before us that unfold. As a worshiping community, we seek to teach our beliefs. We teach them to one another, we remind them to one another, and we teach them to our young so that they might be equipped to go into the world. Our belief structure as Christians is pretty simple. We understand that God created the world and named it all good. Things went bad when humanity decided to elevate itself to a position more equal with God. 
and wanted to make decisions that were beyond its very self. Ruin and destruction have often been the outcomes of our misunderstanding of ourselves, thinking of ourselves as God-like more than we are. But God loved us so much that God came among us, Emmanuel, walked among us, so that we might see that the ways of God are the ways of life. And it's not just in the following of the instructions, but it's in the relationship with the divine that we learn to live into the fullness of who God has made us to be, to be fully human, which is what we are. God nurtures us in that very life, showing to us in his death and resurrection that he can redeem all things, that nothing is more powerful than the love of God made known in Jesus. And that in knowing that God can redeem all things, we can live unafraid. For nothing can separate us from God's love. Nothing can destroy us because of God's love. Even the worst thing that we can imagine, God can redeem it and bring goodness and joy and love into our lives through that very terrible event. This liberates us to live, to live following Jesus' ways. By the power of the Holy Spirit, we learn how to welcome and recognize God in the very fabrics of our lives. And all the ins and outs, the days, the weeks, the months, the years, the comings and goings, the routines, God is present in it all. This is our Christian belief. And it is the story that we want to remember and we remind ourselves of because it helps us remember our own lives when we place it in that story. We then open our eyes to see what God is doing, what God is doing in our very lives. There are various practices that help us reclaim and remember this story. Seven of them, to be exact, shared by all Abrahamic faiths. Muslims, Christians, Jews, all have these seven holy practices that remind us that God is living. Daily times of prayer. Seasons of the year that remind us of our salvation story. A holy meal that we come to every week to remind us of our salvation story. Keeping Sabbath, a day of rest, when we remember that God runs this world, not us. Going on pilgrimage when our feet step in the places where faithful feet had stepped before and we remember the faith that we have inherited. Tithing, where we give of our first fruits to God because we know that God provides for all. And the physical body practice of fasting, reminding us again of God's sustaining love. These seven practices draw us back into our Christian beliefs and remind us that God made the world and declared it good, that it goes bad when we make ourselves God, but God's love has drawn near in order that we might remember who we truly are and be redeemed and saved by that saving love of God, living our lives as a reflection of what God has done for us. Now this doesn't mean that hard times don't come. I remember in my freshman year, maybe in my sophomore, being challenged by some of the things that I thought were certain about the world. Having grown up in a nurturing environment, I had constructed the way that things were supposed to work. They'd worked for me. And I entered into the bigger world carrying those specifics about who I am and who God is and how God works and how God doesn't work. 
And I remember being in a class with a professor who was a very astute teacher. And he casually, because I remember him like sitting on the edge of his desk, casually tossed off some questions about whether the world really was as we perceived it to be and where God was in the midst of it. It was casual, sitting against his desk. I don't remember the questions, but with each one, I watched something that I hold dear disintegrate. The image that was so profound to me is as I was holding a bunch of carefully labeled and identifiable jars, if you will, breakable things for sure, that were how the world worked. And with each question he asked, one would fall to the ground and shatter. And I found myself at the end of that class wondering what there was to keep. I was standing among rubble, my whole belief structure, how life was supposed to be was broken. In the days that came, I found myself sorting through all of that to see what was salvageable, what really had survived. And all I found in all of that, the only thing I found was Jesus. I came to realize that's all I need. That was the first time in my life that God has disassembled the grandiose ideas I have about how God works in the world and who God is and who I am because God doesn't want me to carry around all of that stuff. God wants me to have a relationship. And sometimes in the midst of carrying our structures about how it's supposed to go, we forget that relationship with God. The good news is that God uses the very fabric of our lives to draw us closer to him. Day in and day out, in the events of our lives, we're drawn closer to him. So when I've had marital woes, it's been the spiritual practices that have brought me back to the truth of that relationship. When we've had children problems, it's been the spiritual practices who've brought me back to the truth of God's activity among them. When we've had financial troubles, career concerns, family things that have gone wrong, God, again, is working through the very fabric of our lives to draw us back into relationship with him. And this is what we hope to pass on. This is what we hope we have passed on to you, our graduating seniors, and our college students who are no longer students of college but are entering and have come through our life. We hope that we have given you our belief, a structure that you can build your life upon, And we hope that we have shown you that the spiritual practices will draw you back into that love all the days of your life. Remember, the reason we worship together on a weekly basis is because we need to be reminded of God's saving love in our lives. Coming to this holy meal and receiving with an open hand reminds us that God provides for us. When we practice prayer throughout our day, we remember that God provides for us. When we go on pilgrimage and we step in the places where faithful people have gone thousands of years before, we remember that God has been working throughout all time with all people all over the globe. When we take on the body prayer of fasting, we remember that God prays through our very physical being. When we practice giving our first fruits by tithing, when we take it off the top and we pass it on to God, it's an act that we do that reminds us that God provides for us. When we take a day of rest 
and remember that God runs this world, it happens to remind us who we are in God. And finally, those seasons of the church year, Advent and Christmas and Epiphany, Lent and Easter and regular time, they remind us of our saving story, the story that in Christ we have been redeemed. In my own life, I have found that it's in these spiritual practices that the river of God flows. And the blessings that I have received have been because I've thrown myself into that river. In each challenge that I've faced, I've tried to get quicker at throwing myself back into that river. God wants to provide for us out of God's abundant love. We hope that for all of our graduates and for the young people that are coming up through this community, we hope that we pass on this Christian story, the belief that God is active and alive in this world, in our lives and in our collective life. Thanks be to God for being a living God. Thanks be to God for being a loving God, coming close to us wherever we might be, so that we might know that God saves us through that very love. Amen. <laughs>